Hello and welcome back to back my back to my point with Daniel N. Uh, first off, uh, thank you guys for listening. I'm sorry I haven't dropped an episode uh, recently. I've been kind of busy with grad school work, and then I went to Fort Lauderdale for a few days to celebrate one of my friend's birthdays, and then I had to drive my uncle up to Tampa for him to get the uh, second vaccine shot for the coronavirus. He needed my help driving just in case he felt sick from the second shot. But um, yeah, sorry, I've been busy. I've been meaning to drop, um, I wanted to drop an episode in February last month, Uh, because I have a couple of segments dedicated to Black History Month. Uh, I've got my top 10 favorite African-American athletes and top 10 favorite black actors. Actually, not African-American, just black, because I've got a couple of, like, foreign-born actors and and athletes that are black. Anyways, um, the first segment of today, I thought it would be fun, since it is officially March, to do my predictions for the top 10 conferences individual conference tournaments. So let's start with the Big Ten. And I'll be honest, I honestly don't know. Um, I could see a number of teams winning, you know. The only thing is Iowa isn't playing that well recently, so I don't have Iowa winning. I think it's between Ohio State, Illinois, and, you know, probably definitely Michigan. So I think it's going to come down to those three. If I had to pick right now, I would say... Illinois or Michigan, I'll just say Illinois because they've been playing so well since their big man got hurt. Um, they, they've just, they're really good on both offensive and defensive end. They're well coached. Um, they, they're kind of on a roll, and I think they really want to get a, I mean, everybody obviously wants to get a better seating, but I, I haven't checked Joe Lenardi's bracket. Well, I have checked it today, but I haven't checked where Illinois is positioned right now. I think there's a chance if they win this tournament, they could be a one seed. They could definitely be a two seed if they win the tournament. And I think they want to propel themselves. Everybody wants to get a better, the best seed as they possibly could get. Um, and if they get, you know, a one seed, that pretty much guarantees your first round win because, you know, we've only had one 16-1 upset in NCAA history with that UMBC Virginia upset a couple years ago or a few years ago. Um, so I think it's really important to get a one or two seed because it's so rare, those 15-2 and 16-1 upsets. So I think Illinois and both Michigan are really going to try to do that because they have a legitimate shot at doing that. So I've got, the, I've got Illinois, though, penciled in. All right, ACC. I've got Florida State. Um, they're just the best team in the conference this year, and there's really no way around it. Sometimes the obvious choice is the right choice. They were the regular season champions. You know, they ranked highest of all the ACC teams in terms of top 25 AP poll rankings. They're, you know, they have the fewest losses in the entire conference. They have the best net ranking. Um, They're undefeated against ranked opponents this year, both in the AP poll and the USA Today coaches poll. That's important because you're going to face good teams in the NCAA tournament, but also in your individual tournament, the first couple rounds, you may not face the best guys, but in the semifinals and finals, normally you're going to face the top competition in your conference. So I like them for all those reasons. The only um, negative I have about them, and it, it is concerning to me, that they're 3-3 three and three on the road this year compared to 12-1 and one at home. Um, but I like all the other reasons I just mentioned ahead of that. So I, I'm going to roll with Florida State Seminoles. All right, Big 12 Conference. Um, I'm actually going to go with another favorite, another obvious pick here, and, and it's Baylor. They've beaten everybody in the conference at least once that they've played. Their only one loss this whole season, and it was to Kansas on the road. It's very hard to play in Kansas, as we all know. Um, they're just better than everybody else in the conference, really. Um, you know, the, the only thing that concerns me about them, though, is that the tournament may not mean anything. Let's say they lose in their first matchup in the tournament. They're still probably going to get a one seed, right? Um, that's the only thing that concerns me is if they really, you know, kind of mail it in or get caught sleeping, get caught napping, whatever terminology you want to use. Uh, that That is an area of concern because I think they have a one seed pretty much locked in unless they get, like, blown out by 30 or 40 and a lot of the guys that are slated at two seeds right now win win out and win their conference tournament. I think it would be very, very surprising for Baylor to not get a one seed pretty much no matter what happens. So therefore, they may not 
be as determined to you know try to win this thing. But I still have Baylor just because they're the best team. All right, next I've got the um, Big East. So the regular season isn't over yet, right? But um, I'm, I'm going to take UConn. I want to I wanna pick a su- couple surprises here. I want to take UConn. They've won five of their last, last six. Historically, they do really, really well in tournaments. Um, you know, they won the NCAA tournament four times, you know, four times total. But all of those have come in the last 25 years. Since 1999, they, when they won in 1999, they've won again three more times. So four total just in that time frame. They've won 10 conference tournaments throughout their school's history in, you know, the Big East and the American Conference. Um, they, they'll probably face Villanova in the finals or in the semifinals, and they've lost to them on the road, but they only lost by eight. And I've said this before, I'll say this again, in NFL and in NCAA, when you play common opponents multiple times, it's very difficult to sweep them if they're a good opponent, right? Let's look at the Chief, like Chiefs last year. Everybody said, oh my God, the Chiefs are so good. They're 14-2. and two. Their two losses were to the second and third best team in their division, the Chargers, and to the Raiders. It's hard to clean sweep a team. It's hard to clean sweep a team that's good. You can do it to the bad teams, but it's hard to beat a team multiple times without losing. Um, I, I think Nova Nova's already in, right? UConn is most likely in, but they're going to be like an eight, nine, you know, I'm not sure if they're a guaranteed lock. They're probably, it's probably like 80, 90% chance they're going to be in, but they want to go from, they're, right now they're slated as an 8 or a 9 seed, according to Joe Lenardi's Bracketology. I could see them slipping to a 10 seed. Um, but I, I think they really want to get a higher seed. And if you win that, and everybody wants to get a higher seed. So I'm going to stop saying that. But, you know, you want to get a higher seed. It's better odds. It always works out in your favor. And, I, and they're really in a situation where if they make it to the, the finals or even win the finals, they could go from like, like that 8, 9, 10 seed area to a 6, 7 seed, which is significantly better. All right. Um, yeah, everybody's going to want to improve their seeding. Next, we've got the SEC. Uh, we've got Arkansas. Um, they've won 10 games in a row against SEC opponents. They only lost that one game uh, to, uh, I think it was Oklahoma State. They played one team in the Big 12, and they lost that game. But they've lost. They've won their last 10 games against fellow SEC competition. I think they're going to face Alabama in the finals, who they've split with during the season. They beat them by 15 last time, and they just have the most momentum of any team in that conference. Maybe the most momentum of, of, of almost all the NCAA teams. I mean, winning 10 out of your last 11 is very impressive, and beating your SEC opponents 10 out of the last 10 times is extremely impressive. They're rolling in hot. You keep seeing them, you know, we've seen them keep climbing the rankings week after week. So I've got Arkansas. All right, next I've got the Atlantic 10 Conference. And this is funny because I actually had St. Joe's upsetting everybody and winning, and here's why. You think, holy crap, how could St. Joe's win? They're they're 4 and 15 this year. They're terrible. Yes, but they've been really good when Ryan Daly has been in the lineup. He just returned from injury the last four games. They beat Dayton. They beat Richmond on the road when they were 14.5-point underdogs. And then they uh, they smoked UD by 13. Um, they scored 97 points in that game. Um, and then they've beaten LaSalle twice. The first time was in overtime, and they just beat them a couple days ago in the opening round of the Atlantic 10 tournament. Um, right now, I've got the game on in the background, and they're down 25 with 13 minutes left. So I'm going to rescind my pick and say St. Joe's is not going to win because they're probably going to lose to UMass right now. And they are. They're losing by 25. So I'm going to change my pick to my alma mater, the University of Dayton. Um, I wanted to go with V. I think St. Bonnie's is in no matter what. So I don't think they're as desperate as these other teams to get in. Um, I wanted, yeah, I wanted to go with either VCU or SLU because they've got, um, you know, they've, they're bubble teams that really need it. They really need to, w- to win this tournament to get in. But VCU probably should be in, and they just, the problem with VCU is they just lost their best player, the player that scored the most points for them, Bones Highland, due to injury. 
So I do, I'm not comfortable picking VCU. I'm not comfortable picking the Bonnies because we've seen them kind of been caught napping at times. Like they got blown out by Dayton a, a couple weeks ago. I, I'm not confident in the Bonnies. So I'm going to just take my alma mater, Dayton. We play uh, Rhode Island in 40 minutes, actually, at uh, 3.30 Eastern time. And I think, I think we're going to win that game. And then luckily for Dayton Flyers, um, they have a re- we have a really surprisingly deep roster this year. Um, and I also think in tournament-style formats, the team with the best player has a significant advantage. We've seen, like I mentioned in the past, a lot of times in NCAA, teams that win the NCAA tournaments have a great team around them, but also have a star player. I think Jalen Crutcher, you could make an argument that he is the best player in the entire Atlantic 10 Conference. I feel like he's he's been kind of inconsistent, but I feel like he's going to wake up at the right time and just ball out. Another thing that Dayton has going for them is that they have home field advantage in the finals. So I think that's that's an important thing to to note is that they they can you know they're going to play at Dayton Flyers Arena uh, in good old Dayton, Ohio. So I think that's another advantage they have, and I also think they're the most well coached team. I'm pretty I'm almost a hundred percent sure that Anthony Grant is the only current Atlantic 10 Conference coach to have won Nate Smith Coach of the Year, as he did last year. Um, I, I just think kind of it's one of those things where Dayton, this is the worst they're going to be in the next four or five years because they have we've got the best recruiting class in our school's history coming in next year. So this is the floor. And I think that they really want to keep all the guys because we have like five, six freshmen right now that join the team. And we want to keep everybody on board this year because we have so much talent coming in next year. And I think in order to do that, to keep everybody engaged and on board, you're going to want to make a deep run in this tournament. And if you make the NCAA tournament, that's even better. And by winning the A-10 tournament. So I think it, they, you know, because they've suffered some terrible losses this year, like Fordham and LaSalle. Um, and many people were saying, oh, my God, we're going to have a bunch of guys transfer out. This is this is a joke. This is despicable, this, that. But I think Dayton is, is kind of in somewhat of desperation mode. And, you know, it's, it's weird. Dayton, for how good they are, as a, how dominant they are in the A-10 conference, they haven't really won that many A-10 conference tournaments uh, compared to some of the other teams. It seems like Davidson won a few, VCU has won a few, Richmond's won a couple, St. Joe's has won a couple, St. Louis University... Um, it's for whatever reason Dayton hasn't and it's one of those things like I've said before you can't be so good for so long and not win you're going to just win by accident through talent and this is kind of a one, the one year where they could upset everybody and win it seems like the favorite never wins in the A-10 conference tournament it seems like it's always a third or fourth seat that ends up winning the A-10 tournament um, anyways next we've got the Pac-12 tournament so the Pac-12 is is weird this year because it's it's very top heavy. You've got Arizona right now. I'm gonna go bold here and I'm gonna take Arizona. Um, right now they're probably out according to Joe Lenardi, and they want to obviously get in. UCLA is in for sure. Oregon is in for sure. Colorado is in for sure, and UC USC is probably in. Um, I think Zona is weird because they play so well against good teams, but then they play down to their competition, you know, in other games. Like they've, I was looking at their schedule this morning and I saw that like in pre-conference play, they they like beat a couple of small West Coast schools by only like two, three, four, five points. You know, like that being said, they've beaten USC, they've beaten Colorado, they barely lost to US, UCLA by five. They barely lost to Oregon by only two. They barely lost to Colorado by only three. There's a lot of close losses that I think they could turn into Ws. And I think, like like some of these other teams, Arizona definitely has their back against the wall because if they don't win this tournament, they're not making it into the NCAA tournament. And so I wanted to go bold here, and I'm going to take Arizona. And I also think that, like I said, I think Colorado, Oregon, and UCLA are so are, are 100% locks to get in that they're not as desperate as Arizona. They're really not because they're they're locked in as whatever, four, five, six, seven seeds. So I'm going to take Arizona out of desperation. Next, we've got the West Coast Conference, and this is by far the easiest one to predict. It's Gonzaga. I'll predict who they're going to face in the finals. I've got them facing BYU, um, and I have them winning by 25, 26. 
Um, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about the Zags, but they're head and shoulders above everybody else in their conference, and it seems like they normally are each year. They just beat, they just blowing guys out by 40 and 50 and 36, like putting up video game numbers against a not that not as weak as you would expect West Coast conference. It seems like other than the University of Portland and who, which is one of the worst teams in the entire NCAA. And then San Diego, which is lackluster. It seems that every other team in the conference is at least somewhat solid. Like, you know, San Francisco is, I think, like third to last in the standings. And even they beat Virginia in preseason play. And then, you know, you've got teams like the University of Pacific, who's battled. St. Mary's is a historically great program with all the recruiting they do from uh, Australia. They've got, they used to have guys like Patty Mills, Matthew Della Vadova. Uh, historically, they're a good program. They're not as good this year. Loyola Marymount is kind of surprisingly good this year. Same thing with Pepperdine. Those are all like borderline NIT teams. Um, so that, you know, they should, I mean, the fact that Gonzaga is making these guys look like absolute jokes each week in and week out is very impressive. I think it's even more impressive than in normal years because, like I said, BYU is also very solid and they just keep blowing other teams out by 30, 40, 50. All right, next I've got the Mountain West Conference, and I had the most difficult time picking this one. Um, I really could see San Diego State, Colorado State, Utah State, and Boise State uh, winning the Mountain West Conference. I think Boise State has a chance, but I'm, I'm stuck between Boise State and Colorado State because Boise State just lost to Fresno State. They were 13 point, 13 and a half point favorites, and they lost. And I think that was like a wake up call. Sometimes you got to lose right before you go on a hot, on a long winning streak. That's what a lot of people say in college basketball. Because like I've said in the past, the more you keep winning, the more difficult it is to increase your chances of winning the next game and the next game and the next game. It keeps you know your odds of winning keeps decreasing the more you win. Um, the more you continue to win. Um, but I'm going to go with Co- Colorado State. Um, I was between Colorado State and Boise State. I think San Diego State, I'm sure San Diego State, is comfortably in. They don't need to worry about it. Um, Colorado State is probably in, but it's not a lock. They finished 14-3 and in conference, and they beat every single team in the conference at least once that they played. I think they didn't play a, a, like San Jose, or but I, I think every team they played, I know for a fact every team they've played in conference, they've won at least once. They, they split most of their games. They split against Nevada. They split against Utah State. They split against San Diego State. But it shows that but by splitting, it means you can beat a team, but also lose a team. But I think they're going to win um, a lot of games because they're in desperation mode. They're they're on the bubble. They're not a lock. They were 14-3 and three in conference, which is a very, very impressive in-conference record. You know, they, they suffered some bad losses at the beginning of the season. They kind of got it out of the way. Like, I think they lost to St. Mary's. 33 to 55 something like extremely low scoring like embarrassingly low scoring i think they got their funk kind of out of the way and now they're kind of in a groove they've won seven of their last eight including five in a row and you know to make a joke somebody with the last you know somebody with the team name rams has to make it to the ncaa tournament and if vcu doesn't get in uh it's going to be colorado state Rhode Island's probably going to lose to Dayton today. That's my prediction. Fordham's already out. We need one Rams team representing the NCAA tournament, and it might be the CSU Rams. All right, next we've got the American Conference, and I've got Houston winning it. It's kind of an obvious pick, but they're just it's just one of those years with these mid-major conferences that you get them, you know, you get one or two a season. Outside of Gonzaga, you get like one a season where one team in a mid-major conference is just head and head and heels above everybody else talent-wise. Last year it was Dayton who just made the other A-10 teams look inferior. Um, this year it's Houston who just looks so darn good. I mean, you know, other than their two losses to East Carolina and Wichita State, they are just dominating a weaker-than-normal American conference um, they beat University of Southern Florida by 46. They beat Temple by 26 and 17. SMU, who's pretty solid this year, by 22. UCF by 17. Tulsa by 27. University of Cincinnati by 38. Uh, University of, of 
uh, Tulane. They beat Tulane by 23 and 21. They beat Western Kentucky in a strange out-of-conference game by 24. It just seems like, like I kind of was saying before, they're just on another level than the other teams in their conference. And right now, they're projected as a two-seed. Um, if they win the American Conference um, and these other teams that are already slated as two seeds don't win their conference tournaments, um, it's very possible that Houston be could become a one seed. It is very, very possible. So I think that they actually have something to play for because um, the difference between a two and a one seed may not seem that drastic, but like I said before, we've only had one 16-1 upset versus we've had a lot more 15-2 upsets. So um, just be just just anything you can get is important. Getting past that round of sixty, you know, getting past that round, that first you know round is is important, right? Like it's if you can automatically get past it, basically automatically, because we've only had one sixteen one upset in history. If you can get past it, that's just one step closer to you know this week sixteen, the elite eight, you know, the final four, and then the NCAA tournament game so championship game so i think they're they're actually motivated to try to win and i think they're also a little bit embarrassed by their two losses in conference against east carolina and against wichita i think they i think they realize that you know that they're heading you know like i said that they're head and shoulders above the other teams in their conference and it was embarrassing to lose to to lose to them all right so since i recorded my segment yesterday a couple of the teams that I predicted to win have lost. Well, actually, really, only my alma mater, the University of Dayton, has lost in the A-10 tournament to VCU. I didn't know that Bones Highland, the VCU's best player, was returning from injury. I thought he was going to be out for this whole tournament. So uh, the fact that he's playing and played out of his mind yesterday, I've changed my pick. Now that Dayton is out of it to VCU winning the A-10 championship uh, tournament. And then also I found out that Villanova, uh, that... Colin Gillespie, their best player, is out with an injury, so I do not have Villanova facing UConn in the finals anymore. I, th I think they're going to lose before they get there. So those are just the two tweaks that I didn't know about due to good players playing and due to good players not playing. All right, next segment, I've got my top 10 black actors. So my favorite top 10 black actors. First, we've got honorable mentions. I've got The Rock. Um, you know, he's, yeah, he's been in a, a lot of shit recently. He's been in a ton of movies over the past, uh, two years, past five years. He's been in more movies than anybody in 2019 and in 2021, I mean, and 2020. Um, he's currently got a TV show on, uh, NBC. It's called Young Rock. It's surprisingly pretty entertaining and pretty good. Check it out if you like him on the Peacock streaming service. Um, he was in the show Ballers on HBO, obviously, which was a decent show. It wasn't too good. He was good in it, but it wasn't that. wasn't definitely one of not anywhere near uh, one of the best HBO shows. Um, and then you know he, he's been obviously in uh, thousands of movies. Um, off the top of my head, you know he's been in Jumanji. He's been in the other guys. He's been in Fighting with My Family. He's been in uh, Pain and Gain. Um, you know, he's, he's the first honored, honorable mention. I, I'm always going to appreciate what he did for the pro wrestling industry and in making it a you know more mainstream because he is one of the most famous people in the entire world because of his charisma and his presence. So, The Rock, first honorable mention. Next, we've got Wesley Snipes. Uh, Wesley Snipes was in Blade, New Jack City, White Man Can't Jump, Major League. He was in the Spike Lee movie, Chirac. Um, I, I like Wesley Snipes. Um, he's really good in, in, in his niche role. Uh, he's one of he's you know he's somewhat of a versatile actor. He can do action, comedy, and other things. You know he's he's a very solid he's a very solid actor overall. Next, I've got Forrest Whitaker. Um, he's great in everything that I've seen him in, but I just don't see him in that much stuff. Um, he's just you know he's got a new show um, on Epics that. Which is one of those new premium premium television uh, streaming services. Uh, it's called Godfather of Harlem. That looks pretty good. I, I haven't checked it out yet. Um, you know, he's been in the movie Vantage Point, the King, the Last King of Scotland, which he got the best actor in a lead role for. He was in Black Panther. He was in The Butler. 
Uh, he was on Battlefield Earth, Battlefield Earth, you know, and he's been a narrator for a number of uh, things, uh, like the movie Dope. He was the narrator for. Uh, he's a good, he's a good actor. Uh, nothing too spectacular. Um, I'm, I do want to check out his show on Epics called The Godfather of Harlem. It looks pretty cool. Um, next, Halle Berry. She's beautiful. She's talented. She's Halle Berry. Uh, I haven't seen a ton of her work. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, you know, she was in Catwoman. She was in Die Another Day. She was in the movie Monsters Ball. That's another movie from the '90s that I really, really want to check out. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton is in that one. She got Best uh, Lead Actress in Monsters Ball. She won that award. Um, and uh, you know, she's very talented and very pretty. Next, Michael Ealy is another honorable mention we've got here. He's been in Westworld. He's which is on HBO. Great show if you haven't seen it. Probably the best sci-fi thing I've ever watched. Uh, he's in this show Sleeper Cell on Showtime. That was one of the earlier uh, premium television shows. It was like 2002-2003. Uh, there were only a couple of seasons. It looked pretty interesting. And then he was in Californication, which was also on Showtime. As far as movies go, he's been in uh, Barbershop. He's been in Takers. He's been in, he's been in a number of films. Um... I, you know, I, he's good. He's, he's a good actor. That's why, you know, he's honorable mention. We also have Marsh Mahersha Lali. I can never pronounce this guy's name, but you know who I'm talking about. He actually played basketball, D1 basketball, at St. Mary's College in California. Um, he won two Academy Awards, one Emmy and one Golden Globe. Um, he's on the third season of true detective the crime show on hbo that show's really good if you haven't seen it the first season of that show of true detective on hbo is probably the best season of television i've ever seen it's an anthology show which means that each season completely new characters completely completely new actors completely new script some complete completely new plot um so he has nothing to do with the first season at all the first season has has uh, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, and it's probably the best thing that either of them are in. Uh, but the third season, he's in it. Maharsha Ali is in it, and it's really good. It's it's really solid. It's um, very entertaining, very gripping. Uh, he's also been uh, in the movie Luke Cage. He was in the show House of Cards. He's been in the movie Moonlight. He's been in the movie Green Book, and he's been in the movie Hidden Figures. All three of those, I believe, won some type of awards. I know for sure Moonlight won. Uh, I didn't really like the movie Moonlight. It was really slow and boring. I didn't really understand it. Um, I, I liked Hidden Figures, so that was a really good movie. And I have not seen Green Book yet. Um, that's on my two-watch list. Um, next, I've got Bernie Mac. Rest in peace. You know, he was a Chicago native, and uh, he was a very solid actor. He's, uh, everybody said he's a great person. He's a funny comedian. Um, he's been in you know numerous comedy films and TV shows. Um, similar to this next guy, Cedric the Entertainer, another funny actor slash comedian. You know, he's been in Madagascar, The Boondocks, Barbershop, The Neighborhood, currently on CBS. Um, and yeah, he's good. And then also Martin Lawrence is my last honorable mention. Oh, excuse me, second to last honorable mention. He's hilarious. He's been in a million shows, a million movies, you know, Wild Hogs, this, that, you know. You know, he's Martin Lawrence. Everybody knows who he is. And last honorable mention, Whoopi Goldberg. I thought I'd just, you know, give her a shout-out because, you know, I couldn't include her on the list. And she's a very, very funny woman and a very funny comedian. All right, into the actual list. Here we go. Number 10, Will Smith. He's been in a million things. Obviously, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Men in Black, Wild Wild West. He's a very talented man. He's done music, you know, movies. He's done TV. You name it. He's done it. Uh, Fresh Prince is one of those shows that is a, a classic and I think will live on t forever. I believe HBO Max uh, acquired the rights on their new on their streaming service. So if you want to watch the old episodes of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, go check them out on HBO Max. Next, at number nine, I've got kind of a cop out, a tie. I've got both Danny and Donald Glover. So um, they're both terrific. Danny, you know, was in Lethal Weapon. He was in 2012. He was in Angels in the Outfield. Great baseball movie. Check it out if you haven't seen it and you like baseball. Uh, Supremacy, among other things. Um, Donald, um, common, you know, was in the show Community, which is one of those cult classic shows. I really liked the show Community. 
on uh, NBC. And then he's on the show Atlanta, which is on FX Network. Uh, FX continues to churn out quality television shows. Uh, he's very funny in, um, in Atlanta, and he was very funny in Community. Um, he's in the new Lion King movie. I didn't see that. He's in the uh, show Adventure Time, which was on Cartoon Network. I think they're revamping it on HBO Max. Um, that was a really interesting cartoon show. It, apparently, the guys that created create it are like on acid the entire time they write it or, yeah, or shoot it or something. It's a really interesting animated show. I've seen a couple of episodes of it. That's on Cartoon Network. And then um, he was in the movie The Martian. And then he's obviously the rapper, Childish Gambino. I'm not a huge f- uh, fan of his music, but he's got some couple good songs. I like the 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 freestyle one he does. I think it's called Bonfire. That song's fire. That, that's that's a pretty good one. Anyways, number eight, Cuba Gooding Jr. I love Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, he can do comedy. He can do action. He can do drama. Um, he was in the the movie Boys in the Hood, which is a classic. Check that movie out if you haven't seen it. He was in Jerry Maguire, another sports movie uh, where Tom Cruise is, is a sports agent. It's really interesting. Um, he was in the movie Rat Race, which was really funny. I used to watch that all the time with my cousins. They, they really loved that film. It's a really funny concept. Check it out if you haven't seen it. He was in OJ in America. Um, which was the or he was in he was OJ in American Crime Story, which was which is that anthology series on FX. He was in the first season, The People versus OJ Simpson. I really need to watch that. I've, I've, so many people tell me that I need to watch that one, and then I need to watch the one on ES, the the one that ESPN did as well. The FX one got really good reviews. Um, David Schwimmer's in that, I believe. So I, I got to watch both of those, especially because they're just mini series. I can just bang out and whatever couple weeks but anyways next i've got vivica a fox i love vivica a fox man do i love her in kill bill i love that movie god that scene with her and uma thurman at the beginning of it is just so awesome and then the kid comes in and they act normal and uh if you haven't seen kill bill please watch it it's one of the best movies ever um she's hilarious also in curb your enthusiasm i'm probably biased towards her she may not be as good of a actress as some of these other actors and actresses i have on the list but for me she's one of my personal favorites because she's in one of my favorite movies of all time kill bill and then she's also in my probably my favorite show of all time curb your enthusiasm she's so funny in curb your enthusiasm i just remember when when larry goes to pick them up at the airport she's like wait you guys are the blacks That'd be like if my name was Jew, Larry Jew. I, I love that show. I love Kerber Enthusiasm. So funny. Um, he, uh, She was also in the uh, movie Independence Day, Batman and Robin. She was in the movie Set It Off. And she was in the TV show Empire, which I didn't see. I, I know Terrence Howard is in that. I think that, that that one was on Fox. I should get around to that. I've heard it's pretty good. Number six, Idris Alba. He's uh, from London. He's been in a lot of really good shows. So he was in The Wire. He was in The Office for like six or seven episodes. And then he's on the show, the BBC show Luther. I, I've heard only excellent things about that show. Um, I think it's on Amazon Prime and Stars right now. Um, I think they acquired the streaming ser- the the rights to it. But I really got to check that out because I really like Idris Alba and I really like a really well done crime show. And I've heard that this is about as good as it gets. It's a very, very high, highly regarded. Um, you know, he was also in the movie Molly's Game and th- in the movie Thor. I, I don't remember him in Thor, but in Molly's Game, he's really good. That, that's a pretty interesting movie um, if you haven't seen that. And then it always impresses me when guys, with when British-born actors can do such good American accents and can do all the different dialects of of like the UK you know it's it's impressive I I'd always like it's one of those things where you don't even know that these people have heavy accents until you hear them in an interview and it's like holy crap this guy has such a hard accent how can he do such a normal American accent you know it, it is impressive um number five I've got Chadwick Boseman rest in peace the, the poor guy passed away last year from colon cancer. Everybody only had the greatest of things to say about him. Um, obviously, he was in Black Panther. He was in the movie 42. We're talking a lot about great sports movies today. Um, 42 is maybe the best sports movie if you've, I've ever seen. Um, 
God, they did a good job of, of depicting depicting Jackie Robinson's life. Um, it, yeah, that oh god, that movie was so well done, and he's so good in it as Jackie Robinson. It's, they did a, such a good job of of showing uh, how Jackie had to persevere through you know all the hard comings of being you know the first African American player in Major League Baseball history. Oh god, that was a great movie. Um, he was also in. Uh, the Five Bloods, which I didn't see. Um, he was on. He, he was in the Avengers movies, um, and he was in Black Bottom uh, or My Rainey's Black Bottom, which uh, won a Golden Globe for. Uh, unfortunately, it was a posthumous award because he had already passed away. Um, yeah, it was Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Motion Picture that is a Drama. Um, and then number four, we've got Denzel Washington. Everybody loves Denzel. I love him. Maybe I have him a little bit too low on this list. Maybe I should, you know, get him at three or two or one, but whatever. I put him at number four. Um, he's in one of my favorite acts, probably my favorite action movie ever, um, Training Day, or one of my favorite action movies, Training Day. Um, God, is he so good in that. I mean, that's... Talk about excellence. He's so good in that. I love the movie Training Day. Watch it if you haven't seen it. He was also in The Little Things, which dropped, you know, like a couple of weeks, couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I saw it. I wasn't that impressed. He was also in Deja Vu, which is a really good movie. And then he won a Golden Globe for the movie The Hurricane. You know, he's been in, in many different things. I, I do. I really do like Denzel. Um, he's won two Golden Globes, two Academy Awards, one Tony. He's been nominated for 96 different various awards. So, you know, he's well-established. Uh, he's Denzel. He's a legend. Number three, Don Cheadle. This is probably my bias, once again, checking in, because, gosh, do I love me some Don Cheadle. I love him in Crash. I think Crash is an underrated movie. I know it won Best Picture, but everybody said it was the worst movie ever to win Best Picture. I thought it was great. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was extremely well written. Uh, and everything comes together so ironically. And, and like it, I really thought it was a well-written movie. Um, I think uh, he's really good in Hotel Rwanda. I had to watch that uh, in high school for class, uh, freshman year of high school, for... Uh, for I think my world history class, and I was like, "Wow, this is a damn good movie." I'm glad we had to watch this in class. Uh, it's like about the rivalry between the Hutu and the Tutsis in Africa. Very interesting. Check it out. It's one of those rare, good, entertaining educational films. He's in the movie Boogie Nights, which was amazing. Um, I, I've talked about this movie before. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. One of the best movies of the 90s. Then we've got Ocean's Eleven, which he was in as well. He was in the movie Traffic. And then he's been in two different Showtime shows, House of Lies and Black Monday. I have not watched either of those, uh, but I hear they're both solid. He's also won two Golden Globes, one Grammy. He's been nominated for 10 Emmys, and he's won two Screen Actors Guild Awards. Number two, we have Morgan Freeman. Um, he's amazing. What else can you say? I mean, he's got the best voice probably ever. Um, he's a perfect narrator. Uh, he sounds like he, you know, he he sounds like butter on your ears. He's amazing. He's in Million Dollar Baby, which is a great movie. I believe it won an Academy Award. He was in Shawshank Redemption, which everybody seems to love. Bruce Almighty, very funny movie with Jim Carrey. He was in, I believe, uh, The Dark Knight, obviously, which was also a great movie. He was in the movie in Invictus, which was about soccer. That was a very solid film. He's in Wanted and many, many others. He's one of the best actors of our generation, if you ask me. You know, he's gotten many Lifetime Achievement Awards. He's won an Academy, won a Golden Globe, a Screen Actors Guild, and a Black Real World. He's, re he's really one of a, a kind. Um, there, there's nobody else like Morgan Freeman. He's absolutely terrific. Number one, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, I, I'm probably biased because I love Quentin Tarantino movies so much, and Samuel L. Jackson has been in so many of them. So that's why I put him at one because he's in so many movies that I love. Uh, he's in, you know, he's in the Kill Bills. He was the narrator for Inglorious Bastards. He was in Django. He was excellent in Pulp Fiction. The best movie ever made, if you ask me. He was in Hateful Eight. He was in True Romance, which Quentin Tarantino wrote but did not direct. And then he was also in Jackie Brown. I really liked him in Jackie Brown. He was a drug dealer. He 
was really f- funny, funny kind of character. Him and De Niro were in that film together, and they they kind of bounced off of each other well. Even though I don't think Jackie, I think Jackie Brown is the probably the second worst Tarantino film, uh, but I, I do really like Samuel in True in uh, Jackie Brown. Um, he's also been in the Avengers. He's been in the Incredibles. He's been in Thor, Jurassic Park, the other guys, Kingsman, Secret Service, Goodfellas, Snakes on a Plane, Shaft, Jungle Fever, the Spike Lee film, uh, and uh, A Time to Kill, among others. He's been in so many classic, classic movies. He's appeared in over 100 films with a cumulative worldwide box office gross of over $8.6 billion dollars. Let that sink in for a minute. $8.6 billion just off Samuel L. Jackson movies. Uh, he's truly one of a kind. He, he, you know, he's one of those people that's a tireless worker. You know, There's people that, that work because they have to. There's people that try to work as little as they, ha- as they possibly can. And there's people that try to work as much as they possibly can. Samuel definitely tries to work as much as he can. And that's why he's been in over 100 films. He's really a one-of-a-kind worker, one-of-a-kind person. He, you know, he gives back to the community. I'm a big fan of him not only as a person, but I'm a big fan of his work. And, you know, he's one of those people that's like, thank God we have him because he makes the world a better place. All right, here we go. Last segment of today's episode. I've got my top 10 favorite black athletes. This is not uh, ranked on best. This is just my top 10 favorite black athletes. All right, here we go at number, well, first let's do the honorable mentions. First, I've got Shaquille O'Neal. Who doesn't love Shaq? He's such an entertaining guy. He's got so much damn charisma. It's rare to have somebody have so much athletic talent and size and also have so much charisma. Um, You know, it's funny, like Shaq is one of those guys that, that, that just oozes charisma and fun and personability um, I, I love I love his work on TNT in you know the show. He's in the new show Shaq Life. He's in the show uh, Inside the NBA on TNT. He's he's a great guy. He's every time he makes like a cameo on a TV show or a movie, or even he appeared for All Elite Wrestling a couple weeks or on Wednesday and went through a table. He goes all out when he makes those cameo appearances, and I really appreciate him for it. I appreciate all his charisma over the years. Him and Chuck are so damn funny on TNT with Ernie Johnson and Kenny the Jet Smith. Uh, and I, you know, Shaq is one of those people that I'm just I'm ha- I'm glad the world has Shaq because he makes everything better. Next honorable mention: LBJ, LeBron James. Uh, I, I you know I didn't grow up in Ohio. I did, in Ohio. I did go to college in Ohio, and I will ever be forever grateful for LeBron James and I think the whole state of Ohio really owes him because if you look I remember I think it was two seasons ago where there were nine schools from the state of Ohio projected to get into the NCAA tournament so it was like Dayton, Xavier, Cincinnati, Ohio State, um, Kent State, Bowling Green, Wright State Uh, there's so many schools in Ohio uh, it's, you know, and it's all the Akron, the Akron Zips, you know, and it's all because of LeBron. Uh, it really is. That's why, um, you know, there's all these private schools now in, in Ohio, uh, you know, that are dominating. Like LaMelo Ball went to a private school in Ohio before he played it uh, professionally in Australia. Uh, it's just amazing how, how much the state of Ohio has grown because, it, you know, in terms of basketball because of LeBron. I love, you know, he's also so smart as a businessman. He moved to L.A. Uh, to, you know, to get into movies and, and be, put his name on executive producer. He's got that show uh, called The Shop, which is on uh, HBO. Uh, he's going to become, he's premiering in a new Space Jam, the new Space Jam movie this year, which is going to be on HBO Max uh, because Warner Brothers created it. Uh, you know, Le- LeBron is LeBron. He's the best physical specimen. He, he, from a pure usage uh, rate, I guess it's you know it's very possible that he is the greatest player of all time. A lot of people make that argument, just from a pure production and t- and usage standpoint and s- like statistics. 
I personally still think uh, Jordan is, but if LeBron wins a couple more championships, you know, I don't even really care. I think the, 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 the two of them are by far, in a way, the two best of all time. So I really don't think it matters as to which one's better between them. But LeBron James checks in an honorable mention. Number two, uh, my third honorable mention is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Of course, he's Greek, but he is black. I love Giannis. You know, I'm actually surprised he didn't make the top 10 list, but um, I, I love Giannis. I remember when I was in boarding school in Milwaukee, I went to see a Bucks game, and I said, who is this tall guy with a really goofy long last name? This is when he was a rookie. He wasn't, he was picked 15th. Nobody even knew who he was. He was from Greece. He was 19. I'm like, I like this guy. You know, I did some, you know, YouTube, and I'm like, whoa, this guy's really athletic. I think this guy's going to be really good in a couple years, and... Where do we sit now? He's one MVP. Uh, he's amazing. His younger brother, Costas, was roommates with my buddy, Daryl Davis, in college. So I got to meet Costas a little bit. Uh, I, I've heard, I remember a personal story is that Daryl was telling me that Giannis will, you know, even though he's rich, uh, you know, obviously now he signed a $100 million contract with the Bucks, and then he just signed an extension, uh, I, that even though he's still loaded, he's he'll still take home the team meals that they give him for free. So he's very humble. And I remember there's a bunch of stories about Giannis, but one story I remember somebody was telling me was that Giannis wanted to do a garage sale, so he posted it on Twitter. <laughs> and a bunch of Bucks fans came over to his place. Oh, yeah, the garage sale. And the Bucks were like, Giannis, you can't do that. I mean, it's funny. He's, he's such an innocent young kid. I really, really do enjoy him, and he's... He's an absolute beast on the court, and he's only going to get better if he can increase his three-pointing, three-point shooting accuracy. He's already put on, by the way. He wor- it seems like the guy works his sack off because if you look at pictures of him when he was a a freshman in the league and look at him now, I know it, it's hard to tell how much muscle he's put on because he's still so damn tall and skinny. But man, has he put on some muscle? His arms have probably grown twice since what they were entering in the league and so he was a really hard worker and I you know I love him uh another honorable mention I mentioned him in my top 10 uh best actors I've got The Rock I'm not going to talk too much about him because I talked about him as the um as the top 10 actor for me and then my final honorable mention I figured I'd at least put one pro wrestler in here uh Booker T the five-time 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 WCW world champion he's so funny on color commentary if you're a wrestling fan you'll know, you'll know Booker T of course uh, inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame uh, of course he was in a tag team with his brother Stevie Ray called Harlem Heat in WCW then he broke into a singles career he's worked for TNA as well you know WCW and WWE uh, one of the few guys to hold championships in all three companies uh, he's a WWE Hall of Famer, and he's great. And my last honorable mention, another wrestler, I've got Bobby Lashley, current WWE champion. Uh, I've always thought he was really good. He was really good in TNA. He's really good as a, as a real fighter as well in Bellator. Uh, he was on a, a dual contract with uh, Impact Wrestling, TNA, Impact Wrestling, and Bellator at the same time. I think as both the networks, both of their TV networks were on Spike TV. Uh, I don't know how they were doing that. That's very impressive that you can be a pro wrestler and be a pro fighter. Right now, Jake Hager is doing that uh, for uh, Bellator and for all elite wrestling in pro wrestling. But it's very interesting when somebody can excel in multiple sports. It's a very difficult thing to do. Pro wrestling and UFC have nothing in common. Somebody once told me uh, pro wrestling has more in common than Game of Thrones than it does UFC. And I kind of understand it because Game of Thrones, like wrestling... There's good characters and bad characters, and there's a bunch of them, and they're all fighting for screen time on a one- or two-hour-long show. So I kind of see the comparisons there. Um, But anyways, Bobby Lashley, final honorable mention. And now let's break into the actual top ten list. Number ten, Jackie Robinson. Let me start with this. I think he's the most influential person to most inspirational and influential, whatever word you want to use, person to ever walk this earth. <laughs> People tell me, oh, Christopher Columbus, he's an American hero. I'm like, no, he's not compared to Jackie Robinson because, uh, you know, Christopher Columbus was trying to go to India and he got 
only to America. So, you know, and he was helped off, helped off the boats by Indians, and then we killed all of them. So is Christopher Columbus really an icon when you compare him to guys like Jackie Robinson? I don't think he is. Um, but I'm not trying to bash Christopher Columbus. I'm trying to praise Jackie Robinson. I love Jackie Robinson. He, uh, like I mentioned earlier, watched the movie 42 with Chadwick Boseman. Um, he's one of those guys that, you know, that knew, and there's so few people in the world that are like this, but he is one of those guys that knew that what he was doing was just, was bigger than him. That's an amazing thing. I can, I can, everything I do is because I want to do it, right? He did, he knew, he had a vision. He knew that what he was doing was bigger than just him. And that's why he needed to persevere and, and work through it. He knew the world was going to become a better place because of his presence. Very few people on the earth can say that they legitimately feel that. One of my favorite quotes for him, if you want to, um, you know, have a nice uplifting quote, a life is not important except the impact that it has on others. Wow. Unbelievable. Jackie Robinson. I mean, I did, the, the reason he's 10 is because I didn't get to watch him play when he was playing in the you know 1900s. But um, he will forever be, to me, the most inspirational person to walk this earth. All that he had to endure was amazing. I, I, lo I love Jackie Robinson. I, I'm so happy we have... His number retired in all of baseball, and I'm so happy we have a Jackie Robinson Day each year in baseball to celebrate him. He damn well deserves it. Uh, he's really one of the most amazing people to have ever walked the earth. Number nine, Hank Aaron, another guy who changed the world. Um, you know, he was just like Jackie Robinson. He overcame so much hate and racism. Uh, when he broke Babe Ruth's home run record because it was a black man breaking a white man's record in time, times where racism was still heavily prevalent. Um, there was He got so much hate mail with people using the hard ER and saying that they were going to kill him if he broke the, the thing. And the, the, this is what really makes me appreciate Hank Aaron is after he hit it, two white guys ran onto the field. And after weeks and months of him receiving hate mail that people were going to kill him, that white guy stuck out his hand and to shake it. And Hank Aaron didn't know if that guy had a knife, if he had a gun. But Hank took the risk. He reached his arm out as well and shook. And that's one of the, my favorite moments in all of baseball. God, it gets me a little like emotional just thinking about it because... Who knows what, I mean, think about it. You've been receiving these death threats for months and months and months. Can't break Babe Ruth's record, you hard ER. You can't do that, blah, 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 or else I'm going to kill you and burn you and all this crap. And then some white guy runs onto the field. You have no idea if he's got a weapon or not. He reaches out his hand, and Hank reaches back and shakes it. It's one of my favorite moments. And then the, the, another guy comes in and pats him on the back. It's such a cool moment. I love, I love Hank Aaron. He's such a good guy. Every interview I've ever heard of him, people only say the best things about him. Uh, he and Bud Selig were really, really close, uh, former commissioner of baseball. Um, I want to speed this list up, though, because I'm hitting the hour mark, and I told myself I would cut this episode off at 45 minutes. All right, number eight, Frank Thomas, the Big Hurt, one of the best, best nicknames in baseball history. Um he grew up in Chicago, you know, growing up in Chicago like I did. Uh, I got to see him on TV when I was like 5 to 10 years old. Uh, some of my earliest memories were watching him and Sammy Sosa hit bombs on WGN and WCIU. He's one of the, you know, like I said, one of the best nicknames ever, the Big Hurt. I remember playing backyard baseball uh, with, with Frank Thomas as a character. And I remember he was, for some reason, like a good pitcher in backyard baseball, even though the guy was a DH slash first baseman his whole career, which I always thought was strange. He was, you know, he was a great guy from everybody's standard. He was one of the first baseball Hall of Famers, you know, first ballot baseball Hall of Famer. Uh, he's, he's, he's like, I still have a throwback uh, jersey of his. Uh, he's one of the few players in the 90s and 2000s that were never accused of steroids. And he actually advocated for drug testing. Well, he was the only active player 
who agreed to get tested in the 2007 Mitchell report. So it shows that he really didn't do juice despite his huge size. He holds almost every White Sox hitting stat. You know, he played football at Auburn, and he was good. He's also a really good analyst on Fox Sports with David Ortiz and A-Rod. They're always cracking jokes and, and doing pranks with each other. Uh, I, li- I like when um, there was one where Frank uh, was drinking, like, water. had a water bottle, and Ortiz put vodka in it and snuck it in. And, and Frank took a sip, and he was like, what the heck was that? That's not water. So they, they're always cracking jokes on that uh, TBS uh, post-game show and Fox Sports post-game show. I, I really like Frank Thomas. It seems like he's an incredible person, and now he's in, in those very, very mediocre Nugenics commercials, too. So next we've got number seven, Michael Jordan. I didn't live in Chicago when you know he was dominating. I wasn't really born yet, but he changed the entire sport of basketball, and I'll ever be forever grateful for that. I love the Jordans. The Jumpman logo is so iconic. He's changed the shoe industry. He's the GOAT, you know. His impact will live in Chicago forever. A part, a part of, he was a part of the best dynasty in sports history. You know, he's the GOAT. He's MJ. What else can I say? The only other thing I can say is uh, he made more money off of selling Jordans this, this past year than he did in his entire playing career. Uh, I really thank him for changing the shoe industry. All right, number five, I've got Antonio Gates, one of my favorite players of all time. He, he had the most ever touchdowns by a quarterback tight end duo, him and Rivers with 89. Uh, he was the Chargers franchise leader in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. He's an eight-time Pro Bowler. He's one of the top five best tight ends of all time for my accounts. He was on the NFL 2000s All-Decade team. He played basketball at kent state believe it or not in which he helped them get to the elite eight he's one of the best undrafted free agents of all time i love antonio gates i know he did get popped for using juice once but i love gates he was a really nice guy one time we went to a chargers game and we saw him on the bus and we were waving at him and he, he was one of the few players that waved back and smiled you can tell he's a, he's a genuinely good person next number four keenan keenan allen I love how Keenan is 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 so damn good at catching the ball because <laughs> he's a, one of the best route runners in the league. He's been great forever, man. Like it seems like I, I don't know how he's so productive at his age, and it's because of his route running ability. He's one of the best route runners, you know, in modern day NFL. I'm so glad we just extended him to a four-year, $80 million contract. I wanted to get him locked up long-term because he deserves it. He played wide receiver at Cal Berkeley. He's a four-time pro bowler. When he's healthy, he's a lock for 1,000 yards, uh, 1,000 receiving yards. I love him. He's so funny. He brings swagger to the Chargers, which is much needed, especially when we have kind of a boring white star player on defense and kind of a somewhat boring star white player on offense like we do with Herbert and Bosa and like Eckler's cool but he's a kind of a nerdy guy like you know all of our star players don't have that swag like Eckler you know Austin Eckler one of our best players our running back he he's kind of like a nerdy video game guy and Bosa's so monotone all the time and sarcastic and Herbert's kind of a nerd himself he was a bio major so it's good that we have Keenan to bring this swag for us uh, he's got a great nickname. They call him the Slayer, and he, you know, he always gets around a thousand, uh, around a hundred receptions. He's very consistent and he's very reliable when he's healthy. And I'm glad we've got him on the Chargers. Next, we have Derek Jeter, uh, the captain. Who doesn't love Derek Jeter? One of my favorite players. Of course, he is only half black. His dad is uh, black. His mom is white. Derek was. So good. He was so clutch. People think he's overrated, but he was solid for 20 years. 14-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, 5 times Gold Glove, 5 times Silver Slugger, 5 time World Series Champion. He had the second highest voting percentage for the Baseball Hall of Fame, only to Mariano Rivera, who got 100%. For some reason, one person did not vote Jeter into the Hall of Fame. I don't know who that was, but they should be removed from the committee. And, um, you know... He's, he's the sixth all-time in hits. Uh, he's Derek Jeter. What can I say? DJ, you know, he, he also 
had a very, very uh, popular, he's had a lot of really, really famous hot girlfriends, Mariah Carey, I think Cameron Diaz. Uh, if you look up Derek Jeter's ex-girlfriends, uh, it's a very, very impressive list. Number two, Aaron Judge. I love me some Aaron Judge. I'm so glad we needed, we really needed a face of our franchise because uh, at that time, you know, at the time Jeter just retired, Mariano retired, you know, we were kind of re, you know, you know, turning over a new leaf, you know, older guys were exiting, newer guys coming in, and we didn't really have a real face of the franchise, and then we got Aaron, and I'm so happy we have him because God darn it, is he so damn good. You know, he obviously uh, went to Fresno State like Paul George did, and he is probably my current favorite player in all of pro sports. Him and Herbert are probably tied. Uh, he's going, you know, his career is so good so far, but he hasn't been around for that long. So he's the face of our franchise for the next 10 years. He's the He was the AL home run leader in 2017. He was the rookie of the year. He selected first round of the 2013 MLB draft. He's one of those guys that's deceptively agile. Um, you wouldn't think like a 6'8", 230-plus pounder would, would be that agile. It's the same thing in wrestling. Like you see these huge guys like, you know, like the Keith Lees and the Samoa Joes, these 300-pounders. I'm like, there's no way these guys are going to be agile, right? And, and then they, you see them do moonsaults and backflips. I haven't seen Aaron Judge do any backflips, but I've seen him. You know, he gets out there. You know, he's pretty fast in the outfield and right field. He's way faster than you think he'd be. He's really athletic. He's got a pretty high jump. Like, he's robbed a, a few homers because he's so damn big. All he has to do is reach his big paws up. Um... You know, I, I really do love Aaron Judge. I'm so happy. He's actually 6'7", 282 pounds. Uh, you know, Der Aaron Judge is, is great. I'm excited to have him as a Yankee. And I'm excited to watch him hit homers for the next, like I said, 10 to 15 years. Number one, LaDainian Tomlinson. Man, did I love me some LT. I love LaDainian Tomlinson. He's my number one on this list. He's so good. He was amazing. 31 touchdowns in the 2006 season, which was a record. The Raiders team in 2006 only had 16. Think about that for a second. LT had 31 touchdowns. The Raiders team in 2016 only had 16 in 2006. You know, he may be the most dominant season in any sports when he scored those 31 touchdowns. He's a Hall of Famer. He was excellent at my sister's current school, TCU. Um, he was picked fifth in the draft, and normally picking a running back that high, it's not that smart. It was excellent in this in this scenario, and I'm pretty sure we had to trade Michael Vick in order to get him, but it was absolutely worth it. Uh, we also have done, you know, he, he could also throw touchdowns, which was amazing. He could run for touchdowns. We had, we had some option plays, like I said, where he threw for touchdowns. He was a three-time first-team all-team. He was two-time rushing leader, rushing yards leader. He was the th a three-times touchdown leader. He was a Hall of Famer. He's on the 2000s All-Decade team. He was the Offensive Player of the Year. He he was one of the best. He was probably the best player in Chargers history. He was in the Pro Hall of Fame. He's in the College Hall of Fame. He's LT, and I would always chant during that 2006 season. LT MVP because he was the clear MVP. It was awesome. That season was so cool. I think we won 14 games, only lost two, and then we ran into that buzzsaw that is Tom Brady. I'm never going to get over that game with Marlon McCree and all that crap that happened. Uh, Drayton Florence penalty. Ugh, we outplayed the Patriots so badly that year and we still lost. Anyways, that's my list for today. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Sorry, it's a little long. Again, I, it says I'm at the hour and three-minute mark. Uh, I hope you listen to it. I hope you like it. And have a nice day, everybody.
five, one.